You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Man, I've been waiting all week to see you. So good to see you this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. I don't think that song could have set up this message any better, so I actually just need a moment. Don't blow it. Okay, got that over with. Um, Man, uh, so I got a question for you. Um, Who remembers their first car? Anybody remember their first car? Um, Who had like a cool first car? Anybody? Danielle, can you tell me what it was? Wow, that is cool. Who else had a cool car? Yeah, Rich. 68 VW. Ooh, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. What was yours, Jeff? Okay, 66 El Camino. Can you turn this on? Anybody else? Cool first car? All right. I'm running. Uh, 65 Falcon Convertible. Wow. Oh, my word. Now, now okay, so uh, we got the cool first cars out of the way. Who, um, who had a really, can you say crappy in church? I think you can. Who had a really crappy first car? Dan, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. 74 Datsun pickup. 74. It had a Pioneer stereo in it. Oh, so that's all you need, that's all you need. I saw Brian and Jody over here. I'm going to run. Okay. (laughs) Jody's car was a 1985 Renault Encore, and it actually has an expiration at 70,000 miles. It just completely stops running. Wow, wow. I saw Sarah over here. Buick Regal. Buick Regal. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, so, man, my first car was a 1986 Azuzu Trooper. We have a picture somewhere. Yep, there it is. Yep, yep. So, man, I felt so cool driving around in that thing. Like, um, it had four-wheel drive, and my friend uh, installed, like, a speaker box in the back of it so you could, like, hear me coming, you know? And um, I, I didn't even listen to, like, heavy bass music, but, like, you could definitely hear Pearl Jam coming when I was uh, around the block, coming around the block. But I felt just so cool driving around this thing and Sorry, I'm a little out of breath from running around. (laughs) Asthma. Um, Yeah, so I'm telling you, this thing was sweet, like on on the outside, right? But the problem was, like I felt really cool when I was driving that thing around when it would start, (laughs) right? When it would start. And the problem was it didn't... It, it didn't start all the time, right? It was like kind of a crapshoot, right? And, and in fact, most of the time it wasn't running that I had it. Like most of the time that I owned the car, it wasn't running. My dad really wasn't a car guy, and so I didn't grow up working on cars like some of y'all did. And um, and 
Like, my car looked sweet on the outside, but man, <laughs> it, w- it was not reliable. Even just to get to school and back, which I didn't live that far away from the school, it just wasn't trustworthy, right? And here's the thing about trust is that it's fragile, right? Trust is fragile. For some people, it's hard to earn their trust, and it's really easily broken, right? And some people, when you've broken their trust, they will cut you off, right, and never fully trust you again. And others, over time, will forgive you and begin to trust you again. And, you know, uh, that's why when we find a friend that's trustworthy, we hold on to that friend tightly, and we treasure it, right? And even then, sometimes we are let down, right? And, but you know, because <laughs> trust indeed is a fragile thing. And, but you know who's completely, completely trustworthy is God. And God says to Joshua before they enter the promised land that is currently filled with their enemies, right? Uh, In Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Like, that's the prayer I was praying right before we finished that last song. Lord, you promised me you would never leave me nor forsake me. You know I don't have it today, so I need you, right? And um, that promise still holds true for me and you today because God is trustworthy. A few weeks ago, Jeff, Jeff Allen talked about some things we can do to deepen our relationship with God and prepare our hearts for when he calls us to step into action. So this is like the preparation for the call. And, and so he, he said, um, you know, uh, being silent before God and praying, uh, reading your Bible. And um, shoot, what was the last one, Jeff? Pursuing the kingdom, being in community I don't know what's going on with the lights right now. I'm getting a lot of this, so I'm just going to keep going. If, we, it, you know, if it keeps up, we'll just turn this into a disco, you know. Um, but, uh, but Jeff talked to us about, um, you know, being silent before God, times of silence, times of prayer, times of reading the Bible, um, and being in community and pursuing the kingdom Um, to prepare our hearts for when God calls us, right? And then then last week, through the story of Samuel, Caleb, um, our men's director, came up and spoke about listening for God's voice and with an eager heart saying yes to God before we even know what he's asking. Saying yes, like giving him our yes. And today, we're going to be talking about trusting God for the journey, trusting God for the journey. And when we develop our relationship with God through silence, prayer, reading the Bible, being in community, um, we begin to deepen our relationship with God. And when we begin to live a life that gives God our yes, right, 
even when we don't fully understand what he's asking, even with an intimate relationship to God, when God asks us to do something, it can still be scary, right? Isn't that right? Like, when God calls, sometimes it, it doesn't, like, make it any less scary if we're close to God. Sometimes it can still be scary, um, sometimes it's tempting to give God our yes, and when he actually calls us to do something, we b- respond by saying, God, you have my yes to anything, but just not that. Just not that, right? It's, it's too weird, right? It's too scary. It's going to make me look bad. So God, you have my yes, but just ask me something else, just not that right? Isn't it tempting to say that to God? And we begin to show through our actions how much we really put our trust in God for our journey. But in Thessalonians 5, uh, 5.21, Paul says, the one who calls you is faithful. The one who calls you is faithful. Faithful. So really what we're talking about when we talk about trust is faithfulness. Trusting someone means that they have a track record of faithfulness. And we believe that what they will say they will do, they will do. And unfaithfulness leads to a lack of of trust, right? But God's history isn't a mystery. I was really proud of that line, by the way. (laughs) It rhymed. It rhymed. I wrote that and was like, yeah. (laughs) God's history isn't a mystery, right? It's an open book, actually. Literally. I was pretty proud of that, too. (laughs) Literally, the Bible gives us an account of God's track record, right? And right at the center of God's faithfulness is his son. His plan to send Jesus for our redemption is a thread of faithfulness that we can follow throughout the whole Bible, right? Genesis 1. Now, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. Um, I'm going to just bulldoze through a lot of different scriptures. I actually really like to break down a story and only use a couple of scriptures, but today I'm going to put that aside and we're just going to bulldoze through a lot of scripture. So you don't have to turn to all of them. Some of them are going to be on the screen. Maybe just write down their address if you want to so you can look at them later. But but God's faithfulness in sending Jesus can be tracked through the whole Bible. And Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, in the first chapter of Genesis, there, God, uh, they, um, the phrase "God said" is used ten times. So, what we can what we can follow is that God's words are the are they have the power to create, right? 
The words of God are important. And so God said is used 10 times in that first chapter. And if you follow that to John 1, 1 through 4, it says this. This is the gospel of John. So we just jumped from the first chapter of the Bible to the first chapter of the New Testament. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. See, Jesus was and is God. We believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, So Jesus was never the plan B. Jesus was there. And when God spoke, the Word, the Word was with him, right? And so... I mean, so we don't have time to go through the whole New Te- Old Testament today. Um, I know some of you guys are bummed about that. Um, but even in Genesis 28, there's this story of Abraham. And Abraham and his wife uh, couldn't have a child. They, they, they were very old, and they couldn't have a child. And, and back in those days... Uh, children were a huge blessing, right? They were a blessing on their life. And so uh, Abraham and his wife, uh, God finally, finally blessed them with a child. And uh, his name was Isaac. And God told Abraham to take his only son, the son that God had given him, and put him into um, a sacrifice, right? Like actually give his only son, the son that God blessed him with, give him back to God in the form of a sacrifice. And so the whole, this story blows my mind because I just can't imagine being Abraham. He takes Isaac and he goes off to a place and he literally puts him on the altar. And, uh, you know, Isaac's like, what's going on, dad? You know, like, hey, um, this feels kind of weird. Like, what, what, what is, what, What's the deal here? And, and Abraham says to Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. And so, so, so Abraham has so much trust in God that he's willing to sacrifice his only son, the son that God had blessed him with. And sure enough, God Um, Abraham puts Isaac on the altar, literally raises the knife, and God stops him. And in that moment where God stops Abraham, God literally provides a lamb for the sacrifice. There's a lamb that comes into the picture out of the sacrifice. And so uh, uh, God is showing Abraham literally what he's about to do himself in sacrificing his only son for the blessings of the world. God is faithful. Now, I know you guys have all been uh, reading up uh, in the book of Numbers. 
I mean, I know it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, but uh, there's this really kind of weird story in Numbers 21 where Moses, uh, the Israelites are getting bit by all these snakes. The Israelites have, have, um, have sinned against God and they're getting bit by all of these snakes and they come to Moses and they say, like, Moses, help we're, we're, we're literally dying off because of these snakes. And in, uh, in, ch- in chapter 21, 8 and 9, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. And so... That's a weird story, but Jesus actually references it in the book of John, John 3, 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may, uh, may have eternal life in him. Jesus is saying, you know, just like this snake that God made uh, had Moses make, and the people were healed. I'm about to be lifted up on a cross, and through this, there will be redemption and healing for all the sins of mankind, right? Jesus is throughout the Old Testament, the thread of Jesus. You can follow God's faithfulness through not just um, the, the cleansing and healing for one man or, or one woman, but for all men and all women, right? Um, Samuel, in the book of 2 Samuel uh, 7, 11 through 14, God promises that he's going to bless all of mankind through the line of David, Samuel chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 7, 11 through 14, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you in your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Again, uh, and if you look at um, some of the Gospels, in the beginning of the Gospels, they actually list a genealogy that you can follow from the beginning up to David, all the way through Jesus. And uh, Psalm 110, verse 1, uh, this is a passage that, uh, from a psalm that David wrote, and he's literally saying that this had belie- like people in his community that would read this psalm. It had them baffled for years. And it says this, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. The particularly that first phrase, the Lord says to my Lord. That is God, uh, the, the capital L Lord, is, is God saying to my Lord, Jesus, the Messiah, the one coming, Adonai. Um, 
I could, I mean, I could keep going on and on, um, which I know you guys would love. Um, uh, just, just a couple more. Are you guys with me still? Okay, just a couple more. Um, Isaiah, all throughout the book of Isaiah, there are these prophecies of the coming Messiah, that the, Jesus, right? You can follow this thread all the way through. Um, Isaiah 7, uh, 14 says, uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Remember what I said about Jesus being God in Genesis 1, the triune God, right? Jesus' birth is described in detail. In the Old Testament, before we even get to Jesus' birth, right? And a little later on in Isaiah, it goes into more uh, detail. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, For to us a child is born, for us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his, his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. Remember what we just said about David's Lord? Um, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. All throughout the Old Testament, there are these foreshadowings, these prophecies of Jesus. In the beginning of Luke, so now we're in the New Testament, right? We just talked about the foreshadowing of the way Jesus would be, and this is an angel speaking to, um, to uh, Mary, and it says in verse, like, we're... Who's, who's already thinking Christmas, right? Like, who just got stressed out that I mentioned Christmas, right? We're going, we're, we're going to go there soon, but this is just a little taste of Christmas. Um, Luke chapter 1, 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. He will be this. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angels answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be able to, uh, unable to conceive in her sixth month, this is the part I really want you to latch on to, this verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever, ever fail because God is faithful. God is trustworthy. And even Jesus, 
after he's resurrected, right? So this is now at the end of the New Testament. We just did the beginning, but at the end of the New Testament, Luke 24, 27 says this, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, I got the wrong scripture there. I have verse 7. Does anybody have 27? Luke, Luke 24, 27. Can you read it? Yeah, I may not be wondering. Yeah, go for it. He said to the disciples, beginning with Moses, he unlocked the script of what the scriptures had said. And what's the last part? Concerning himself. See, God's track record is secure. God's track record is a wide open book that we can follow because even in the time of where the Israelites were going against God and grumbling, God was faithful. Even in times where they couldn't see God's faithfulness, God had a plan for their redemption. And he has a plan for our, that plan was the same plan for our redemption, right? And so I think sometimes we can begin like when trusting God gets hard and when trusting God becomes scary, sometimes we can begin to trust God like, like I trusted my 1986 Isuzu Trooper. We can begin to trust God to like turn the key and be like, okay, you're going to do what I want you to do today, Right? Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Are are you gonna be? Are you gonna work for me today? (laughs) Like we can begin to trust God in that way. Like like you know like I don't I don't want to actually do the work to know you or anything like that. But I want to. But I want you to take me where I want to go. Right. Like we can begin to trust God that way. But here's the thing. Is God's track record of faithfulness, I mean, it's so established that we can begin to take it for granted. Like I was talking this through with my wife yesterday, and she has usually a completely different perspective on things than I do, so it's always a good idea to get her input. And, um, and so we were talking it through, and I had this uh, analogy that, um, you know, like, like trusting God can be like sometimes like when we get out of bed, we don't ever not trust the floor to hold us, right? And eventually we get to the place sometime in our childhood where we just know the floor is going to hold us, right? And, and so we, so we kind of take that trust for granted. Like I'm, I, I'm not like thinking about I'm going to fall through this little platform, right now, because I, I, I've stepped on this platform enough times, I know it can hold me, right? And so here's the, here's the deal is like, we can begin to take that trust in, in God for granted, but really, he, he's like the floor, 
like he's going <laughs> to, he holds our weight, right? We can trust in God like we can trust the floor to hold us. And sometimes we can take that trust for granted because we've just stepped on it so many times, right? And, and Kim said this really cool thing. She said, yeah, but we can completely comprehend the floor. But, and I was like, dang, you just ruined my analogy. <laughs> so here's what I want to say is like, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, the best examples of trusting God are the ones who didn't get it right all the time. I believe that as people, we have to begin to develop a trust in God. And we're not always going to get it right. The apostle Peter, he walked with Jesus. And he saw the things that Jesus did. And yet, he still didn't get it. And yet, here he is in the book of Acts proclaiming the gospel under the power of the Holy Spirit, healing people under the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, he, his, his faith and trust in God is still a thing that we talk about today. But he blew it when he walked with Jesus. And I think sometimes as followers who can't fully comprehend God, we have to begin to establish a trust in God's faithfulness, right? And so I think where I want to land today is that I would challenge you to begin to search out God's faithfulness in your own life. One good way of doing that is recounting how God has moved in your life. And maybe you don't even recognize at this point that it was God. But I would challenge you to spend some time in prayer. It doesn't have to be long, but just ask God to bring to your memory times when he moved in your life, when he was faithful. Start there, right? And then I would challenge you to begin to ask God, God, what do you have for me today? How can I be faithful to you today? How can I trust you to lead me where you want me to go and what you want me to do and not where I want you to go and not dictate to you what I want you to do for me, but rather be faithful in my trust of you because... Um, Like, the question, the root question is that the choice is to trust God at all times 
that God is with you and he will give you what you most need in the moment. Lots of people say, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. And like, I get the sentiment, but my feeling is God won't give you more than he can handle. And so our trust has to begin to build in God. And whether you've been walking with Jesus for your whole life or you're not even walking with him yet, like I would challenge you today to sit down and just ask God for opportunities to build your trust in him. Because his trustworthiness is well established. And even in moments, I, like I know there's a lot going on right now in like the big C church, like particularly in America. There's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of questioning of motives um, like in the church in, in America. And like, I would set all that aside and focus on God's track record. Because you may have been hurt by a church. And, and yeah, I'm not ready to say that out loud. Um, you may have been hurt by a Christian. You may have been hurt by a church leader. You may have been hurt uh, by people that seemed trustworthy. But they weren't God. So I would challenge you to put your hurt before God. Um, and if you want a, somebody to pray with or, or talk to, like, I'm available. Any of our leaders are available. Um, but I would, I would challenge you to re-just start fresh, restart your journey with God and examine his faithfulness and ask him for opportunities for you to be faithful. All right. There's more I could say, but worship team, come on up. Sometimes what God gives us isn't what we expect. But the trust in him as we begin to build it is we can trust that it is what we most need in this moment. And so I just want to pray. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you that your trustworthiness is well established that the thread of our Savior is well established. God, that 
that even in our pain, even in our um, loss of friendships or even in our loss of other relationships, God, even when we've been hurt by other churches, Lord, or other church leaders, God, Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you heal. You bring healing. Father, and I just pray that over everyone in this room, Lord, when, when there's been a relationship that there's been unfaithfulness, Lord, whether it be hurt or gossip, Lord, or I don't know. You know, Lord. Pray that healing would take take place first of all, Lord, and then strength and courage to move forward with you. Lord, that there would be a new trust with you developed, Lord. That's not Um, built on anything but you. Lord, our Savior Jesus is here, and I believe the Holy Spirit is here now. So, Father, come and have your way. Minister to our hearts, Lord, We trust you, Lord, and for those who are feeling anxious about trusting you, Lord, I pray, God, that you would calm their nerves, Lord, that that your Holy Spirit would give them peace, Lord, and that they would be able to uh, step out in courage, Lord. And begin to establish a trust, a relationship of trust in you. And I say and ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.